Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Jaden, for sharing those important things. Um, encourage you, church family, to pray for Wouter, uh, Wouter Baruzma. He's a chaplain with Billy, uh, Billy Graham Association. He's in Lytton, B.C. this week with the team and just serving there and coming alongside people that have had a, a very, very difficult summer. And we prayed for him last Sunday. I had the date wrong. Uh, I was a week ahead of the game, uh, so I just wanted to mention that to, uh, to you. I asked you last Sunday to pray for him this past week, but, and that's okay if you did. Double up. Why not, right? So if you think of Wouter, uh, just lift him up in prayer for uh, that important ministry. Today is a standalone message entitled, Guilty of Silence. For those who are exploring faith with us today, in person or online, I just want to say, way to go for asking your questions, for seeking. You, you owe it to yourself. I've always felt that. And I, I want to commend you for, again, your courage for, for leaning in and, and either being here or engaging with us online. On Sunday mornings, you, uh, or, or there's, rather, we, uh, we, we often teach or there's a kind of multi-layers in, in teaching. Those that have been believers a long time, mature in the word. Uh, others that are just, uh, you know, trying to put the pieces together of the, of, of the, the puzzle or, or connect the dots in what it means to be a Christ follower. And so there's, there's some challenges there. But uh, many Sundays, there's, there's often teaching that will help move uh, seekers forward in their spiritual search. Uh, having said that, today's message is more directed to those who are already Christ followers, and you'll see uh, what I mean by that as we move into the message, but, but there's still insight, for sure, that you can pick up if you're a seeker in, in this message today, and I really hope that you'll open your heart as, as I hope and pray all of us will today. So Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you for your precious word, your powerful word, your inerrant word, uh, your, your, your truth that is here. Open our hearts to it. We pray in Jesus' name and our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. As I speak today, I'm asking those of you who are Christ followers to think about someone in your life who does not yet know Jesus Christ personally. They haven't, they haven't surrendered their life to him. And maybe they're in process. And maybe you're walking with them and, and uh, helping them with some dialogue and sharing God's, God's gospel from his word and all of that exciting stuff. But I, I want to ask you, uh, Christ followers, to, to just be thinking of that person. Have that person in your mind as you listen today. And it may be multiplicity of, of people or it might be one person you're focusing on. As you listen to the word of God today, I want you to be praying for that individual. And as we uh, enter into a new ministry year, and here we are again with masks, those that are here. I had to process that this week. Uh, so someone in person encouraged me before church today, just saying, I'd rather be here with a mask on than not at all. And that, that brought me lift. And, uh, and, and uh, so... Anyway, that was thrown in for free. I didn't anticipate saying that. But, but as, as we look toward a new ministry year, I mean, the future is always uncertain for us, right? And, and we, we certainly today, <laughs> what is certain is that we live in uncertain times. But God has a plan for this church. He's got a plan for your life in and through this 
challenging season that we're still in. He's got a plan and a purpose to show his love and grace to people in your life, family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, who don't yet know the love and grace of Jesus in their life. And I want you today, as we look toward this new ministry year, this new calendar year, students, the, 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 the year ahead in school, how can it be that I won't be guilty of silence, but I will share Jesus with teachers, friends, and others? God calls us to that. So easy for us, isn't it, to lose sight of the urgency of reaching those around us? And you may think this strange, but it can happen in my life too. And so today I want the Holy Spirit to reignite a desire and a passion and, 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 and solidify the, 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 the God-honoring goal in our lives of not being guilty of silence, but of sharing as God leads us the good news message of Jesus. <laughs> guilty of silence. Uh, that sure wasn't me when I was sitting in my junior high classroom. Guilty of silence. No, it, it wasn't me when I, and I remember this specifically being called out by the Sunday school teacher. I was the pastor's kid and there was just a whack load of us grade sixers back then in this little room that was a little bigger than a broom closet. And I mean, we were having a good time in the back row there until the teacher called us out. And uh, of course, I knew my dad was going to hear about that and all of that. But guilty of silence? I wasn't, as a kid, accused of that too often. Some of you, like me, wouldn't probably be accused of that too often in normal life today. But what about when it comes to sharing our faith in Christ? What about when it comes to, to, to talking about Jesus and his good news message with others? I've been guilty of silence. And I can remember specific times, many of them over the many years that I've followed Christ. I want to share, let me direct your attention to Romans 10, 14. And if you have your Bibles, you can open that or open it on your app. If you don't have a Bible at all, let us know. We'd love to give you one. If you're in person or, or online, let us know. Romans 10, 14. Many of you know it. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? We know that biblically, right? Next question Paul asks. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? Okay, makes sense, yeah. And here it is. And how can they hear about him unless Someone tells them. Oh, the whole thing of life witness and let them just see my life, that's an important part of the equation, but it's not the full picture. It can't be because the gospel demands explanation. The two work together, right? We cultivate trust by the way we live so that our words when we share the gospel are, well, at least they respect us because they know us. Romans 10, 14, a key verse. Jesus wants that someone to be you and I. Of course, there are, certainly are times to not speak and just listen, but as Romans 10, 14 says, verbally sharing the message of Jesus and his gift of eternal life is absolutely crucial for people's eternal salvation. That's, that's, that's big stuff. 
And yet, no doubt, we've all experienced times when we knew that we, we should have spoken, but we didn't, and we missed an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus and for the eternal reality of our, of our friend. Now, we, we, we shouldn't beat ourselves up about that, of course, but because God in his grace will bring someone else or we can re-engage. So, you know, again, we can't beat ourselves up about that, but, but hopefully we grow past whatever it is that might hinder our, 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 our comfort, our, our freedom to share Jesus with others in our daily life. I want to launch this message by looking at a fascinating story from the Old Testament. In 2 Kings chapter 7, a historical book, uh, a part of the, the books of history there in the early part of the Old Testament, I asked you in this past week's newsletter to read the story before you came today. Maybe some of you did. Uh, we're going to review it briefly. This, this story takes place, this incident This historical incident takes place during the time of the prophet named Elijah. When there was a famine in the area of of Samaria, and and we we, we don't know, do we, what what famine is like. Some of you have traveled to countries as I have, and you've you've witnessed it firsthand. I mean, we see pictures on the TV when we happen to see a World Vision advertisement, and then we get up and go to the fridge and eat whatever we want to eat. Well, Some of you have heard me share this story, but I want to repeat it briefly as we launch into this story where the context was a severe famine. In 1985, I was 21 years old, and I went for a a month on a missions trip, a short-term trip to Kenya that at that time was experiencing severe drought. And our team had the privilege of distributing a coffee can, large can of corn and a large can of beans to each and every person among the Maasai people in the Kenyan savanna. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the experience. And, and you, you see a stock photo on the screen of, of uh, a Maasai people. One hot afternoon, I stood on the back of a truck with uh, the, the big bags of, of corn and of, of beans. And, and again, every adult and every child had their sack or their bucket and they received that food. At one point, a few kernels of corn dropped to the ground. I missed the the bag, the sack that the, the, the young child was holding. A few of these kernels of corn fell to the dirt, and it was like it was like those kernels were nuggets of gold as those kids dove to grab them and put them in their sack. I'll never forget that. That plays at times in my mind clearly like a movie in 3D. Wow. I share that for its own benefit, I suppose. But I thought about that as I read again 2 Kings 7 as I prepare this message. The context of, as I said, of this historical narrative in 2 Kings 7 was a time of severe famine. So let's read verses 3 to 4, first of all, of 2 Kings 7. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, the, the, the city gate. And in other words, outside the gate they were, right? And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. 
insightful observation there, right? All this is going in their head. The, 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 the story starts with a mention of four men who were outside the city gate because they had leprosy, right? According to their Jewish law, they were considered unclean, and so they were put outside the city walls. And these men were Israelites. They were sitting there slowly starving. And one of the guys is thinking. He, says, he pipes up. He says, why are we sitting here till we die? We can't go back into our own city, so why don't we take a chance? And then they broke out into an Abba song. Thank you for that. You, you, you got to be old enough, and, and you got to be, have, have been confident enough to admit that you listened to Abba to get that joke, right? Um, they said, let's surrender to the Syrians, who were the enemy army. And they were camped just over the hills, actually. They were probably planning an attack on the nation of Israel. And of course, the Israelites under God's leadership were always, uh, you know, attuned to that because all of the evil nations around them wanted to destroy them. And there's a spiritual element there that Satan wanted to get to them. Because why? Because the Messiah was to come through that nation, right? Helps us understand some of the stuff we read in the Old Testament. These guys were ready to do anything for food, and so they made the decision to go and surrender to the treacherous, evil Syrians at that time at, at great risk to their lives. Ever been that hungry? Probably not. I haven't. And so they, they headed out, and they came to the crest of the hill, and imagine it with me. They looked down at the Syrian camp, and they, they paused, and they they, they, they looked more intently. They, they reached for the binoculars only to realize that they hadn't been invented yet. So they, they looked with just pause. What? Do you see movement? No, I don't see movement. What's going on? And they realized, and were, they were bewildered, but they realized the Syrian camp, the whole camp was empty. No one was there. Weird. Deserted. They're going, what? Let's read on. Verse 6 and 7. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, oh, look, the, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. They, they fled so quickly, they apparently didn't even take the time to saddle up their horses and hop on. No, they, they just bolted in fear. I mean, you, you, you kind of got to love this. I mean, I don't know if God was chuckling, but what a great trick, you know? God made it sound like an army was coming down on them. They, they, they bolted. God, God's pretty creative to provide for his people. Interesting. Verse 8 says that these guys went into the tents and they started immediately to eat and drink and they carried away gold and silver and all the stuff and they, they, they hid it and then they came back and they did the same thing in the next tent and they just were taking all the valuables and the food and the, and the drinks and everything they could find and they went and hid it again. Huh. I mean, the, these Israelite guys, they hit the jackpot that day. 
And then at some point in the midst of their excitement over what they had found and what they were experiencing, they suddenly realized that at least one of them did, that what they were doing was actually selfish because they were keeping everything for themselves. Verse 9 in this chapter says, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. Let us go and tell the king's household. In other words, let, you know, through the king, let's get word to our people about what we found because they need provision. They need food desperately as well. Back to uh, their people to share the good news. The key thought in this message today is those words exactly from that verse. This day is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. I've done that. And maybe you have too. Their, their thinking was, we've, we've got to share this with others so this, so this provision and the joy of finding it can be shared and experienced by as many as possible within our nation. It's only right that we share this with others is what they were thinking. And it was right for them to share this. And because they shared, a whole city was saved from starvation. And probably beyond that. If they had kept the good news to themselves, many among their people would have perished and they would have been guilty of silence. How often do we keep silent when we when we know good news. I mean, generally speaking, right, it's, it's difficult for a lot of people to keep good news to themselves, even when they've been told to not share it. Good news just feels good to share. Isn't it good news, Christian friends, isn't it good news that Jesus loves you so much that he's willing to die in your place so you could live forever as we celebrated this morning? Isn't it good news that God is always there, always there to rely on? He is so trustworthy. Many of you know that. As difficult as life is, he's trustworthy, he's faithful. That's good news. Isn't it good news that your life has real meaning and purpose because of the way God has gifted you and because your identity is in him? good news. Isn't it good news that by God's grace alone, you're part, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you're part of the eternal family of God and you, you get to live under his loving care and wisdom every day in this life and into the next. It's good news. <laughs> there's, there's so much, so much good news in the gospel. My friends, we do have Good news to share, and yet often, too often, probably, we can be guilty of silence. Sometimes that may be the case because we feel we have to, we have to ha be able to answer every question. We don't. It's okay in those difficult conversations with your seeking friend to say, ah, I know, that's a challenge in my thinking. I, I'd like to do some reading about that further, and then let's talk again. <laughs> and then, be sure. You follow up if you say that, right? So yes, there's, there's, there's some work 
Sometimes there's some work involved through studying the Bible to be prepared, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, and we heard this last week, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And as Terry Belcourt in his good message last Sunday uh, mentioned, the next part of that is, but do this with gentleness and respect. It's important. There's another key aspect of being prepared to share Jesus with others boldly and wisely and lovingly. It has to do with the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Some of you may have church experiences that, that, that just me saying that causes you to have a little hesitation. Please don't. Please don't. He's God. He's loving. He's caring. He's powerful. The Holy Spirit. Is the person of God that Jesus sent, as we'll see, with a purpose and a plan. With a purpose and a plan. We cannot fulfill Jesus' call for us to share his message with others in our own strength or our own wisdom, friends. None of us can. We, we absolutely need the Holy Spirit to empower us for this mission, this gospel mission. And so, in closing, I want to share briefly about what the New Testament refers to as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there is much about this topic, so beyond the limited time we have today, I encourage you to read the historical New Testament book of Acts with an open heart and a prayerful posture, okay? Please do that, especially if you have not done it before, but always good to revisit that. Excellent New Testament historical book. But two simple points. I alluded to them. I mentioned them already. I want to direct your attention to the purpose of the Holy Spirit, plan of the Holy Spirit. First of all, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The, the primary purpose for which Jesus sent the Holy Spirit is to empower us to witness effectively for Jesus through our actions and words with people in our world, in our sphere of influence, in our everyday life. The Holy Spirit was sent to be the comforter, to be the teacher of God's truth, to be our guide, to uh, give us a prayer language that we could pray in, 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 a, in a language we don't understand mentally, but is a spiritual connection that, with God that is, that is powerful and uplifting. All of those things. Yes, but also, we, we also know that we cannot speak for Christ in our own power and wisdom. And this is the primary reason why Jesus, when he returned to the Father, after his mission on earth was complete, it's why he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. And again, we read about that in the book of Acts. Acts 1, verse 8, specifically. Where Jesus said, but you, speaking to his disciples, speaking to all of us, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all of the earth, the ends of the earth. The Greek word there for power in Acts 1.8 is the word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. Powerful stuff. Interesting, hey? Powerful stuff. You see, after Jesus returned to heaven, he didn't leave his disciples, you know, kind of on their own. No, 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 no. God's will was for his followers to be empowered. And the Holy Spirit residing with us. Can we, can I wrap my, can we wrap our minds around that fully? No. But that's okay. God's God. He's bigger than me. And his spirit, the Bible says his spirit dwells 
within me. And we see the evidence of it right away. Remember Peter? Just before Jesus' crucifixion, afraid to even be identified with Jesus. And then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 to 4, read it. In a powerful experience. And then right away, he's out on the street preaching the gospel. Now, you may not go out on the street and yell like, I don't know, the situation was unique there. And not, well, I don't want to say unique because it's happened many times before, but, but, it, but it could be across the table at lunch, in the workroom, uh, when someone asks you a question and, or, or a family member you're, you're sharing with in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul did. Oh, by the way, 3,000 that day were added to the family of Jesus. Acts 4.31 says, after this prayer, um, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they preached the word of God with boldness. Again, the purpose of the Spirit is to give us power to be bold in our witness for Jesus Christ so that we won't be guilty of silence in the times when he wants us to speak. Plan of the Spirit, secondly. Here, here, here's a silly little illustration as we think about the plan of the Holy Spirit relative to what we're talking about here today. I, I want you to, right now, under your mask there, take a breath, take a deep breath, okay? And hold it, okay? Keep holding it. Now, I want you to hold that breath. Keep holding it. I want you to hold that breath for the rest of your life. Silly. R ridiculous. Right? Of course. We know that if we're going to stay alive, we're obviously going to need to breathe continually. You don't breathe today and expect that breath to hold till, till lunchtime. No. In the same way, God, his plan is to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Continually. Continually. His plan is to fill us daily. Maybe even moment by moment as we walk in an unbroken, or rather in, in a broken world. And as we walk in unbroken communion, connection with him. To be his representative in how we live and how we speak and what we share. There's an interesting little verse that Paul wrote to the Christ followers in the city of Ephesus. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But be filled with the Spirit. You see, it's about control. Do we lend ourselves to the control of alcohol? No, we're not supposed to. The Bible's clear about that. Who's controlling us? Or, or, or any other thing? Or emotion? God wants his loving, all-wise spirit to be dwelling within us. Yes, to control us, because he loves us most and he knows us best. So why wouldn't I want to say, God, please take control. And I'm not going to break out in song and sing, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm not. But that's what it is. Ephesians 5.18, great little verse. And the... The word there being filled, again, in the original language, is in fact a continuous, it, it's a reference to an ongoing experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wasn't sent to give you goosebumps, those of you that grew up in church, you know, at some camp altar. As, as, as good as those experiences are, it's more than that. It must be more than that. 
In the original, uh, oh, I, I said that already, yeah. Um, so the purpose of the Spirit, we need to wind down. The purpose of the Spirit is to give us power to witness. The plan of the Spirit is to give us the power, uh, that power on a, on a daily, even moment-by-moment moment basis, right? I, I'm, I'm confident as I interact with, with so many of you that, that many of you are, are, are truly, deeply desirous that your daily life would be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'd, you would have his boldness and his wisdom so, so you'll never be guilty of silence when it comes to sharing with others about the love and grace and hope that, that you've found in Jesus. I've heard some cool stories recently in our own church family. about the influence and the heart of people in our church family. So many of you, this is you. You've got this desire to make your life count for eternal things. That sounds like a pretty big statement. That sounds like a statement that some of you might think, you may not articulate it, but in your mind it's like, ah, that's not me, I can't do that, I'm just... No, no. We're talking about God's power in you flowing through you. All you got to do, and I got to do this daily myself. Doesn't, you've heard me say this before if you've been around, been around Eaglemont for any length of time. This stuff does not come easier to me because I have pastor in front of my name. It's still a choice Marlo has to make as a Christ follower to open up my heart and mind and my calendar and my pocketbook and, and, and my time to, to the word of God and how he wants me to live in this broken, hurting world. So many of you, that's your heart. I know it. And I pray for you. God will use you and to get back to my original point, I've heard some cool stories of that kind of influence and people even coming to Christ recently because of that influence. It takes a little lean into courage sometimes to say, hey, can I pray about that with you? Or can I take that away? I will be praying. Oh, is, that, is that okay with you? That can be something that opens a door. Eaglemont family, as we move into a new year, as I've said, of church ministry, I'm asking you again to think of that person. I asked you at the beginning of this message to think about, we're going to pray for that person right now. And we're going to pray for your influence in their life for Christ. That they would come to know, not just up here, but here, through commitment to him, that they would come to know and live in the grace and love of Jesus Christ in, in a relationship with him. And you having the privilege to introduce them to your friend Jesus. Oh, beautiful stuff. Don't beat yourself up over missed opportunities and over times when you've been guilty of silence, as I have at times. But just, just commit today to the purpose and the plan of the Holy Spirit to fill and empower you. If that's your desire, I want you right now just to close your eyes. If there's somebody that you thought of or thinking of right now, God, use me. May you empower me. Jesus, you're the baptizer. I invite you to fill me with your spirit. And may I walk in that fullness 
and allow you to fill me daily, moment by moment. If that's your desire and you're thinking of someone that you want to influence for Christ, you're thinking of them right now. Those of you, at, wherever you are, you're maybe in the campsite and you're engaging online right now. God can work in your life right now as well through the truth of his word in this area. And I'm going to pray for you. If there's someone in your life you're thinking of? Or, listen, maybe you can't think of anybody and your prayer is, God, help me to find ways to cultivate relationships with people, meaningful relationships with people that don't know Christ. Maybe that's your prayer today. All of that, if that's your prayer, I want you to lift up your hand a little bit. It doesn't have to be high. Just lift it up as a sign to God right now. He sees your heart, yes, I know, but as a sign of commitment. And I'm going to see those hands as well. And I'm praying for each one of you right now. Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you, you came to earth and did what you did and that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower us to show and share your good news message. And as we think of individuals in our lives that don't know you yet, God, help us, empower us, strengthen us, give us wisdom, give us grace, give, give us, give us um, just, just may your love just flow through our lives and our words to people that we're thinking of right now. And I'm lifting my hand too in this prayer today, God. We want to be a loving, wise representation of Jesus Christ in these people's lives because they need you as we do. We agree in this together in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I look forward to hearing some of the good news stories and testimonies of God working through your life. Please don't be shy to share those with me. You're not boasting as you do. You're encouraging this preacher. Okay? God bless you.